The following program is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association. Lead Tennessee Radio, conversations with the leaders moving our state forward. We look at the issues shaping Tennessee's future, rural development, public policy, broadband, health care, and other topics impacting our communities. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Lead Tennessee Radio. I'm Carrie Huckabee, Executive Director for the Tennessee Broadband Association. National Engineering Week is February 18th through the 24th, and I learned something that I didn't know about Engineering Week. It's designated that this particular week because of President's Day, George Washington, he's considered the nation's first engineer. And this year's theme is Welcome to the Future. It's to highlight the achievements while also looking where the field of engineering is going. And who better to talk to about engineering than my guest, professional engineer and PhD, Matthew Boynton from BTC Fiber. Welcome, Matthew. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. And um, that was a a great introduction about George Washington. I I think I just learned something. Well, I didn't know that. It made perfect sense. But I thought, oh, never too old to learn something. Sure. I think I think I knew if I'm if I'm not mistaken, he was considered a surveyor as well. Um, I think that's right. A Pretty impressive fella. Yes, he was. So before we dive into all things engineering, Tell us a little bit about BTC Fiber for those that aren't familiar with the company, and then follow that by telling us how long you've been there at the cooperative. Okay. Well, BTC Fiber was founded as Bledsoe Telephone Cooperative. We've recently sort of done a little rebranding to to the name BTC Fiber, but it was founded on April 14, 1953. In 1986, um, Bledsoe Telephone ran its first fiber optic cable to all of its exchanges uh, where they converted to digital switches, building the foundation for um, not only telephone, but also for um, at that time would have been in the 90s, would have been dial-up internet leading us to today where we're trying to connect everyone with a fiber optic connection. We're in the middle of that process and we've changed our name to BTC Fiber. I came to Bledsoe Telephone Cooperative as an intern uh, when I was doing my my schoolwork at Tennessee Tech uh, as a summer intern in 2005, I worked full time for the year of 2006. I left and went to work for a for a consulting firm um, in order to work under a professional engineer that and that was the experience needed to obtain my professional license. And in in the middle of all that, um, I went back to school, went back to graduate school went on to Virginia Tech in engineering education, uh, graduated there in 2014 and returned. Um, and I've been here from 2014 until now um, in, in the engineering department here at, at Bledsoe Telephone Cooperative or BTC Fiber. Wow. So your cooperative has a rich history and you have got you know an interesting history too of how you landed at BTC Fiber. So your journey here in engineering, before we talk about how you landed there and how you came back to BTC, what inspired you to become an engineer in the first place? And there's so many specialties in engineering. How did your path take you to telecom engineering? It, it ultimately was the internship, but how I 
came about the internships, kind of an interesting, uh, definitely fitting rural Tennessee story. Um, but as far as as far as engineering as a profession, I'll have to say that 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 was heavily based in my grandmother. Um, her name was Miss Thelma Boynton, and she was a a science teacher as a profession uh, here in Bledsoe County. Prior to that, she she came into her love of math and science, particularly science. In World War II, she was an attache to the Air Force. You know, wow. in that period of time, uh, from understanding from her, you know, everyone uh, wanted to do something toward the efforts in World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a civilian attache, but they sent her through what she said um, was was basically a crash course in electrical engineering. Um, and she went to Wright Field and worked in what they called test section. They were testing uh, radio communication, um, trying to make different, the tubes would, um, would break with the changes in altitude as they, the changes in pressure and temperature in the planes or, or a hard landing. And, and they saw it as part of their mission to, to try to make a better, a better tube for the radio so the pilots could, uh, could communicate. So that was kind of her contribution there, but it also gave her a real, um, experience and background in science and engineering that she brought back. And they did, I mean, you've heard, heard lots about it. She, they took students to the national science fairs and, mm-hmm. and all of that, um, during her time. So, so she definitely probably, uh, encouraged, uh, pushed me toward, um, math and science fields and particularly engineering. My dad is a land surveyor and, so between the two things, um, civil engineering seemed like a good fit. Um, that that definitely, you know, from a from a uh, high school student's perspective, I saw that as being outside building that kind of a field. Um, at, just like you said, as I found when I entered the actual school, there are so many, even within just the field of civil engineering that doesn't really narrow it down. You know, you've got transportation structures, mm-hmm. environmental, which is water and wastewater. So the, even, even once you enter what you might think of as a field of engineering, there's still just so many different aspects of that. So as, as a, as a student, that's what I made my focus. Now, how did I come to telecom engineering? Um, that, that was standing in line at the, our local funeral home uh, <laughs> with my dad during my senior year. I, I had I, it took four and a half years to finish, so I had one extra semester in a fifth year. And during the spring before um, of, of 2005, we were standing in line with Mr. Greg Anderson, who was the manager here at Bledsoe Telephone Co-op at that time. Where my dad looks at him and says, "I bet." Bledsoe Telephone has a needs a summer intern um, engineering student, and he said, "You know, I believe you're right." And here we are. So that's kind of how um, I branched into telecom engineering. Uh, strangely enough, at in line um, at a visitation at the local funeral home. 
And I think that probably many of us that ended in telecom or have had careers in telecom have very similar stories where, you know, in our communities, we ran into someone and that conversation led to other things. So uh, it sounds very familiar. What's interesting about that is it is, it is one, I guess, a, a bit of a concern. I'm thinking back several years now, but you know, I really didn't anticipate finding a career in engineering uh, in rural Tennessee, in, in my hometown. Uh, I, I didn't anticipate finding that career here. I um, anticipated having to live elsewhere and or commute. Now, I guess you might have that career here as a telecommuter because of what, you know, mainly because of our rural cooperatives, that's possible. But uh, but that definitely wasn't a reality then. Mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly a good story. And your grandmother sounds like such an interesting lady. Um, and I'm sure she had stories to tell. And that must have been, I mean, that's awesome that she was such an encourager to you of what she learned in her experience. And, you know, those uh, stories she could tell you about. For sure. I know she told once that uh, at the time she had special privilege to carry what we would think of now as as a walkie talkie. She had special special privilege to take it out of the test lab. You only certain people could carry it across the base. It was a top secret item, you know, and and I know she told me once that you could go to any store that and, and buy a better one than they had then. But that was a top secret instrument. Wow. Yeah, she very interesting, I'm sure. So just talking, how has the uh, engineering landscape changed, Matthew, from just when you started um, as that intern at Bledsoe and later as you um, earned your uh, degree and, and your Ph.D.? How do you envision it? And two, how has it changed and how do you envision it changing with A.I. or other technology in the next few years? You know, um, in thinking about that question, I, I know that, that the engineering landscape, it, it has to have changed with technology since, since I was in school, let's say I graduated with my bachelor's in 2005. Um, goodness, if you think about how the, basically our online and our computer uh, dependency or the presence of, of that technology and everything. Um, so I worked for about three years before going back to Tennessee Tech in a in a very interesting opportunity through um, their extended education office to go back mm-hmm. and do my master's in engineering, um, and that's under uh, Dr. Susan Elkins, and she's from she's from Jackson County. Uh, her husband uh, Tommy Elkins was a retiree of Twin Lakes Telephone Co-op. You know, she had, I went back with and and taught engineering classes in rural high schools. So I taught through a program called, called Project Lead the Way. They had a grant and needed someone to go and, and to fulfill that grant, they needed a teacher to teach engineering classes. And that was at Jackson County High School. And we expanded that up to Clay County High School. It was just a fantastic experience. Um, I did that. That was my graduate student work. 
um, while working on my master's there at Tennessee Tech. I actually extended that into an EDS program so we could continue, and I continued as a student at Tennessee Tech. Um, but we just had a great experience. Um, we did all sorts of projects, very hands-on project-based class. We built cardboard boats and did some little robotics simulators. We um, And we took all of those kind of projects and then applied the math and science behind why they worked. It, it was really a fun class to teach. Um, but during that time that I was was just in that short period of time that I was out of school and then back, when I went back, our assignments that I had to do were all on a computer. It was very different. We literally went from pencil and paper to, um, to our assignments being basically on a computer in that period of time. But, um, you know, if I, so I know that the engineering landscape is definitely changed with technology, um, probably more tools available, more uh, computer-aided design or CAD uh, is definitely um, continues to advance and the things you can do between that and, and GPS systems. Um, but if I think about how it has changed from 2014 in telecom engineering, particularly here in Tennessee, I would say that that the state of Tennessee and the ECD or economic and community development, they have completely changed the landscape in that that through the state grant program. I know they are they've really changed what we're able to do um, through the grant application process. So, you know, when I first came back, we were obviously staking our our lines to new homes and doing those things. But but now in the past few years, we've been working with ECD to um, apply for grants to expand fiber optics into rural Tennessee. I guess it's given us the ability to expand, yes, to expand our fiber optic program um, and, and to be able to reach, affordably reach uh, our service area with a fiber optic connection. So they've, they've completely changed, may not be from a technical standpoint, a technology standpoint, but they've, they've allowed us the ability to, I guess, fulfill our goals. Um, the, fund, so the funding, the funding ability. aspect is really, it's really been beneficial to, um, okay. to BTC fiber. So that, that has changed the, um, that's changed our engineering department greatly. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, a big part of what we do is is work on fulfilling our state grants that we've been awarded, and and we're we're on track to be finished in 2024 with the, our entire service area. Everyone will have a fiber optic connection. I get that. What I think what you're saying is you would be on a slower pace, probably. Yes, if, or, or a more if debt. it without without the funding, you might have the technology but you probably wouldn't be turning out as much work and getting exactly. as many people connected without the extra funding. And exactly. so it's been a mixture of technology changing, but it's also been having that funding aspect that has kept it going faster or made Absolutely. it happen faster. Or made it made it affordable to fulfill our goals. Yes. Okay. I get that. 
Is, do you feel like that um, AI, you know, you're t- you talked about going from pencil to paper, pencil and paper to laptops and computers, and, and you know, that's really moved things along and and helped you create things or get things done faster. Do you, how do you see AI fitting into the engineering field? Do you, do you feel like it'll change processes or again, just speed up things? Um, as far as decision making, I'm sure it will. Yeah, I'm sure that it will. How will it change the landscape? I don't know that I have that uh, that answer. I had a coworker several years ago. He talked about he went to a conference and realized after attending that conference that you know our copper networks that we were using, and this may have been 20 years ago. He said uh, he said they didn't have new uh, tools and new um, things in the copper industry that all the vendors were showing off their things associated with fiber optics. And he said, I realized right then that, that that's where, that's where we were headed, even though we were still a little bit behind that. Um, as far as, as fiber to the home, he said, I realized copper was a thing in the past. They weren't really making any advancement. So I kind of take that, that same sentiment when I go to the conferences, I, I thought that was interesting. And I, um, you know, I see what is the, the newest thing that's being talked about. And last year it was definitely AI and mm-hmm. also quantum networks. Our partners and neighbors over at EPB, Fiber Optics in Chattanooga, have created a quantum laboratory using real um real fiber in the field and they're inviting people to come and, and try to try to get their quantum computing up up and working on on just real field based fiber optics instead of a laboratory based fiber optics. So mm-hmm. you know if we think about how those two things are going to possibly come together and change computing, change uh, data transmission, you know, I don't know. Those were, but those were the two notable things that I noticed last year at conferences was quantum computing and AI were being, were definitely being talked about. Yeah, I think there's no way right now that we can really tell where it will take us and if it will all be good or not. Or, uh, but it's definitely going to change the la- landscape for a lot of fields. Um, and careers, I believe. So we'll have to sit back and kind of watch it. Engineering education, of course, is so important to our nation's infrastructure. And I mean, it's in everything. Uh, It just, it's what makes the world go round, pretty much. And for the next generation of professionals that are coming up behind you, Matthew, what advice do you have for those students that might, that may be considering engineering as a career or those that haven't even thought about it. Now, I mean, your intern program must be great with tech where they come in and actually, um, you know, hands-on and they learn about whether they want to stay in it or not. But if I'm a high school student or a college student and haven't thought about engineering yet, what would you say to them? So so your question is great. And the you really stands out when you say those students that haven't thought about it. And that kind of leads back to my PhD program at Virginia Tech and even to that program that that Dr. Elkins had at Tennessee Tech that we were trying to reach out. The goal of that program was to reach out into those 
rural high schools and introduce engineering as a career choice. And uh, that led me to Virginia Tech and where we were fortunate enough that my research and dissertation was funded through a National Science Foundation grant to study engineering career choice in rural Appalachia. We interviewed students in Tennessee and Virginia in rural high schools. And you know, a lot of students hadn't thought about engineering. We had a very open interview protocol um, where we, we didn't lead into engineering necessarily. We were talking about careers and and to see if engineering was even, and, and, and in a lot of cases, those students didn't know an engineer. So um, actually the title of my dissertation became People Not Print, Exploring Engineering in Rural Appalachia. And we found that that, that connection with a person, with a real person that was in that field, was really the difference maker in whether they considered that a possible path. You know, so many times I think it's presented to students that to be an engineer, you got to be good at math and they don't know a whole lot more about it than people have told them you got to be, you know, extremely good at math. And to those students, I think I would say that, um, but it, it is so much more. And, and I've had the opportunity to now use this profession uh, in my in my home area uh, to bring to help bring a fiber network to this area. We have created, I think, ultimately a department. We've got uh, two other uh, young men who are, who are, we've got Trey Calvert and Webb Allen, who both have engineering degrees. It, it is possible to use that uh, to, to do things for your, even your home area and engineering as a, as a definition, Merriam-Webster defines it as the application of math and science by which the properties of matter and sources of energy are made useful to people. And I think that's the part that sometimes gets left out is that you don't only need to be good at math. I don't do uh, complex math on a daily basis, um, but, but you're taking those concepts and you're trying to make things that are useful to people. Most everything we interact with or touch on a daily basis has some form of engineering behind it. And, and that was also another finding is that students really wanted their careers. They wanted to help others. They wanted to do things that were good for, for people or for society. And I think engineering is a, is a great fit for that, even though it's not always portrayed in such, in that way. So I think that advice I would have is, is to look at it in a very broad fashion that it, it is a lot more than just being good at math. Well, I think it's one of those careers, as you said, that it's very hard to envision what it looks like. Um, sometimes if you're in high school and you think, oh, well, I, I'm terrible at math and that just seems too hard. But it, unless you have an opportunity to meet up with someone that is an engineer and kind of see what it's really about, it is difficult to envision it. And, you know, I've always looked at engineering as problem solving, you know, whether that's water, wastewater, whether that's something with the environment, getting fiber to every Tennessee and whatever it is, building bridges for transportation. I mean, it's problem solving for the day to day living quality of life, I believe. Absolutely. And I think, 
one of the things you come out, uh, you know, you saw you do work and solve a lot of problems um, as far as engineering education goes. And I think it gives you the as, as much as anything, it gives you that ability to to work through a complex problem. And that that may not always be, you know, as it's portrayed that you're sitting down with a calculator to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, if you could share one message with the audience about the impact or the importance of engineering and just how it affects us in our daily lives, what would it be? You know, I thought about thinking back as far back as uh, in my undergraduate, uh, I, I'm not sure I can say that I went into engineering fully understanding what it was. Um, as you said earlier, I'm not sure any of us went into our careers fully understanding where we were heading. But that's true. Uh, that's true. I, Very true. I remember we had a, a little group, a little uh, it's called the American Society of Civil Engineers and had a lunch meeting, uh, maybe monthly. And, and it brought in a graduate that was a structural engineer. And so you think about, you know, you know, your first thought is that those those folks go and design a high rise in a city. But he brought back artificial implants. Think, I think he had knees and hips, um, and he worked for a company as a structural engineer designing artificial knee and hip joints, and he, he told about the different features and functionality of those, and so if we think about the importance of engineering and how how it affects our, um, our daily lives, you know, I, I never, that was really an eye opener that I never would have thought about the concepts of structural engineering going into an artificial knee um, or hip. So that, that helps people on a daily basis. Very important. I was also very important. And, and, you know, that's not definitely not how an engineer is typically portrayed that they right. might be working on that. Um, I also had the uh, opportunity to hear a NASA pilot he had flown a couple of missions and at first i was very disappointed because i was really wanting to see a powerpoint with all the great pictures he took from space but he had none of that he just stood up and talked and he said um he was talking about nasa but ultimately engineering and he said he was kind of on your same question he was talking about the importance of the developments of, of the NASA program, and, and he talked about the uh, hydraulics. He talked about the automatic transmission, uh, helicopters, uh, GPS location. He just went on and on with all these things that we take for granted and use every day in our daily lives, even down to a synthetic truck bed liner, and all those things had been developed out of the NASA program. Um, and, and ultimately developed by engineers. And I, I think back on that sometimes that, that so many of the products that are all around us that we take for granted and use on a daily basis are, are developed by engineers. And going back to even the definition, which is the application of math and science, by which the properties of matter and sources of energy are made useful to people. And I think the last part right there is is what we leave out of engineering from time to time that you are doing things that are useful to people, whether, mm-hmm. it, whether you said is that clean drinking, what's your clean drinking water, um, your wastewater treatment that keeps our environment clean or 
designing a fiber optic network that uh, allows allows people to to do their work from home um, and and make a living at their in the comfort of their home. Um, all of those things are very useful in our daily lives and has a has a big impact. Well, we can certainly agree that engineering touches far more than we give it credit for or think about on a daily basis. And uh, it certainly deserves its own week, uh, the, the National Engineering Week in February. Well, Matthew, I thank you for your time. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, learned a lot. Learned uh, not only that George Washington was considered the first engineer, but a lot of other things uh, coming. A lot of other things I've learned about engineering. Well, and I and I thank you for for asking me to uh, to join you on this podcast, and I hope that we've we've definitely uh, helped people understand a little bit more about engineering. And hey, maybe maybe we'll um, reach a a potential student and give them a little something to think about from our discussion. Maybe so. That'll be our goal for sure. Well, my guest has been Matthew Boynton. He is a professional engineer and PhD for BTC Fiber in Pikeville, Tennessee. You've been listening to Lead Tennessee Radio, produced by the Tennessee Broadband Association, cooperative and independent companies connecting our states, rural communities, and beyond with world-class broadband. 